0: I will be reading Psalm 25, 8 through 10, from the New International Version. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant i 'm in the middle of a sermon series right now called speaking christian and we 've been talking about some of the lingo some of the Christian language that is used uh, in contemporary Christianity and uh, trying to recapture the context of ancient Christianity and maybe see how some of those terms have changed over time and uh, how some of those terms may be uh, misused uh, in our in our current context so Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the exclusive claim uh, Christians make on God, on heaven, and all of those things. Uh, A meaty topic. But to begin that topic, I want to ask this question, uh, uh, what is the best thing about being a Christian? What do you think? God? Okay. Eternal life? Eternal life? Loving one another? Absolutely. Forgiveness? Amen. Grace? Praise Jesus. Other good things? Potluck? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Hot dish? What? Compassion. Compassion, Amen. (laughs) Any others? Fellowship. That's right. Each other. Mercy. Thank you. You There's a lot of great things uh, to say about being a Christian. And you know, we're Protestants, we're Baptists, which means that we didn't even think the Protestants went far enough in their reforming and went even further into a radical reformation. But, uh, you know, that means we broke away from the Roman Catholic Church. What does that mean for our relationship with the Roman Catholic Church? That's not good? A little tension there sometimes. What about, and and this is a rhetorical question because I don't want to put anyone, this is recorded, I don't need to put it out there, but does does it stir up the question in your heart, are Catholics Christians? Because we are, right? <laughs> and then, you know, it leads me to, okay, what about Russian Orthodox? Because that broke away in the, in the 1100s, right? The 11th century. And, and what do we know of that? I mean, do we even have enough information to judge whether... And what, and what is our relationship with Judaism? What do we think about that? Are Jews going to heaven? Then he says yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so Jews are okay. What about Islam? Ooh, what about what about Buddhists? What about Sikhs? What about Zoroastrians? <laughs> what is, yeah, what is our we're we're what? We're not here to judge. Praise God for that. Yeah, you know, there's something in us that says, wait a minute, I don't want to be the one deciding, right? There's something in it. And that I, that's, a, that's probably a good a good thing to go with. But, you know, and so I think we as Christians, we struggle. We struggle because there seems to be, particularly in the last couple hundred years, in, in, with our evangelism roots, for the last couple hundred years, it seems like the main thing Christians want to be about is making that exclusive claim that there is no way to know God except through Christ. And we, it's easy to make that claim. Uh, look at Acts 4.12. says this, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. And John 14.6 says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Me. And so we struggle to reconcile those claims with the, the notion that, wait a minute, maybe we don't have this exclusive hold on a relationship with God. I often see a bumper sticker and, and there's something inside of me that says this is, this is true. That says, you know, my God is too big for any one religion, and there's something inside of me that just says, you know, there's there's wisdom in that. There's, it's, and so we feel this constant te- tension between uh, the the exclusive claim that evangelical Christianity over the last couple hundred of years has has tried to make on a relationship with God, uh, a faith that endures forever, those kinds of things. And uh, th- there's a couple of things I want to say about that. One, one thing I would say is that much of what we hear in the Bible, to, just to contextualize this, is uh, you know, the words of the gospel writers is their enthusiasm for Christ. I think what we get here is a real enthusiasm for Christ. Right, a, a, a group of people whose lives have been transformed by Jesus, and their reflections convey this excitement that they have. You gotta know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. You're not gonna. The way I have experienced God in Christ is so incredible. It's so life transformation that you, you know, I just want you to have what I have. You gotta know Jesus. You want to know God. You gotta have Jesus. And folks, bringing that message to a group of people who have felt away from God for a really long time or have been told that they are away from God. And it was Christians who reflected on the domination system at the time and said, you know, they say that, that they are the only way to God and they're telling you that you can't get there but we're telling you that Jesus is the way to God and you can get there so that's kinda of the context in which you hear this in the in the Gospels this kind of uh, this 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 claim of Jesus as the 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 appropriate way the right way to get to God and that has a lot to do with the fact that the people they were talking to have been told for years you can't get to God right the the Gentiles the sinners the poor whoever they wanted to exclude at the time the other thing is that sometimes there's just this it's just an expression of love for example my wife might say to you my husband's the handsomest guy in the entire world I don't know if she said that to you but she might And you might rightly say, well, he's good-looking and all, but the handsomest guy in the world, uh, that's a bit much. (laughs) But, you know, what you're getting there is my wife's enthusiasm, right? My wife's passion and love for me that clouds the way she sees me a little bit. (laughs) And I think we get a lot of that when people are reflecting their love for Jesus. You gotta know Jesus because he's so great. And I, I'm in that camp. I I don't think there's anyone in the world that I wouldn't want to introduce to Jesus, to know, the Jesus I know. Another reality is that you know once once Christianity dominated the Western world, it was easy to make an exclusive claim because there wasn't really anyone else around. Right, there wasn't another. It wasn't a B option. There wasn't a lot of plurality uh, in the Western world once Christianity took hold, and so it was easy to say, you know, we're we're the only way because we were the only ones there. You know, if you and I got to tell you, if you grew up in Utah, you kind of know what it's like to be the 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 plural guy in that, the one who's not in the. And so, you know, it was e- it in Utah, got to say. It's easy to make a claim that there's only one way because there's a lot <laughs> of folks, right? Uh the other difficulty here is that once we claim that you must believe in Jesus to go to heaven, it becomes a different game of of what constitutes believing in Jesus, what is it i mean that 's a tricky word isn 't it? What constitutes believing in Jesus? Is it saying the right words? Is it letting Jesus into your heart? whatever that means? Is it praying the sinner 's prayer so all of a sudden and and i and 've seen this in in you know some of our brothers and sisters in the evangelical churches uh, it, all of a sudden you 've got this you've gone from a a faith life built on God's unconditional love and acceptance to a faith life built on doing the right things and saying the right words and having the right box to fit in in order to go to heaven and it and it puts us right back in this heaven and hell construct where the point of our life is just to get to heaven and I as I've said in weeks past there is a lot more to Christianity than just going to heaven and there's a lot more being talked about by Christ than just going to heaven and so you know i i i kind of want to question a construct that says it's all about that moment of decision whatever whatever your particular community says is that moment of decision some say, you know, some say it has to be, you know, you have to have these things. Some say, well, it's just living it out. You know, whatever that construct is. But you end up trying to figure out what believing in Jesus in a legitimate way really is. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's not unconditional love from God. That's a faith that's built on doing the right things and, and, and saying the right words or a, or a faith of works. So how, So I guess it leaves me with the question: how are we to understand these, plat, these passages, if not exclusive of other faiths? How do we understand all these? And I've got to say one way is to realize that for the gospel writers, and particularly John, John, who says uh, uh, of, uh, put, who has in, in the mouth of Christ, "I am the way, the truth and the life, no one come to the Father but through me." that for John uh, in particular, that Jesus represents the the incarnation of Christ of God the revelation of God to our world right now what can be seen of God in human flesh is seen in Jesus Christ he embodies it he he fulfills it he lives it out he is the incarnation of all that God is. And it's John in, in particular is about this notion that when we see Christ, what Christ reflects to us is the very nature of God. And so John says, to know Christ is to know John. Or, or Jesus says in John, to know me is to know the Father. What, what John is conveying to you and me there is that What Jesus holds is a a picture of how God is in the world and what God wants for us. And so when John says that Jesus is the way, what he's really saying is that in Jesus we see God's way. We see God's life. We see God's truth. And and if you want to come to the Father, embrace this way of God, this truth of God, this this uh, 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 way truth life God. in God. <laughs> embrace those things, and you can see that in Jesus Christ. And uh, and so you shall. Um, so what is that? What we see in this is just this incredible embrace of God's way. In fact. Christians in the early church were not called Christians at first they were called followers of the way and it was the way of coming to know who God is in the world and who God is in your life and i got to say so so it begs the question kind of what is at the heart of what it means to follow the way what is the most important thing Jesus told us when asked teacher what is the greatest commandment what did jesus say go ahead that's right you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart mind with all your soul with all your strength Matthew adds and the second is like it which is you shall love your neighbor as yourself you guys know it right You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And what I want to say is, or or, another gospel writer puts it this way, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I want to say that many faiths hold to this same universal principle. Christianity says these things, but Judaism, you know, Jesus was quoting Leviticus. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19.18. Uh, part of the Talmud says this: "What is hateful to you, do not to your fellow man. This is the law. All rest, all the rest is commentary. The Talmud says that, right? Uh, and what you hate do not do to anyone that says that in one of the apocryphal books, uh, Tobit. Right? What about Islam? What about Islam? None of you true, who truly believes until he wishes for his brother, what he wishes for himself. Number 13 of Imam, right? Buddhism, a state that is not pleasing or delightful to me, how could I inflict that upon another? Uh, That's in some book I can't pronounce. Uh, Hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful in the Udana Varga 5.18. What about Hindu? Right. This is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you a high faith, which I know little of. Ascribe not to any soul that which thou wouldst not have ascribed to thee, and say not that which thou dost not. Blessed is he who prefereth his brother before himself. Oh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, Brahmanism, which is a type of uh, Hinduism. This is the sum of dharma or duty. Do not unto others which would cause you pain if done to you. Confucius. Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you right uh, there 's a whole bunch here Zoria I brought up earlier Zoroastrianism uh, here 's one that nature alone is good, which refrains from doing unto another whosoever is not good for itself. so you can see that what Jesus calls us to at the heart of what christ wants us to be and do at the heart of what it means to be a follower of the way ultimately comes to us from god across the universe it's it's a universal concept that's embraced by many and and so and to me i say wow what an affirmation of the truth of what christ had to say what an affirmation of the truth of god and the word of god an affirmation that comes from across the globe from our brothers and sisters of the other faiths an affirmation of christ and the message of christ and the way of christ that says we affirm your struggle to love your neighbor as yourself. We affirm and join with you in your struggle to love God and love others. And so it's an incredible, it's an incredible thing. Uh, uh, Karen Armstrong, I don't know if you uh, know who that is, but she wrote a book called The History of God. And, and she, she kind of lays out how... how monotheism evolved over time and and how we get these these uh, three different traditions. The and and when she finished her book, Minnie said, Well she's an atheist. How can you, you know, she's she doesn't believe in anything and and doesn't and she wrote another book, a follow-up book, that was called A Case for Faith, where she said, now wait a minute, just because I'm I'm looking at the history of this and having a critical look at what uh, what faith is about, it does not mean that I don't endorse a life of faith. And while she questions so much, particularly this universalism, she embraces the notion, or, or the exclusivism, I mean, she embraces this notion that faith leads us to light and to life. And this is one of the things she points to. Uh, she was asked in an interview, well, what is this? So, how do you know what's legitimate? Because Clearly, there's illegitimate religion out there, and she agreed. And, and what she said was, well, uh, legitimate religion follows this universal, these universal principles, these universal ideas, that, and one of which is this right here: You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That thing which Christ says is the most important thing to know, upon all of these. All, upon this, the rest of the law rests. Love your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't, I don't see what I where, where I come down on this. And you may be struggling with this, but what I what I see in that is I don't un, I don't see the necessity in that for an exclusive claim on Jesus. Now, here's what I'll say about that. I love. If you know me, you know I love Jesus. I'm all about Jesus, and I think I have a story to tell about Jesus, and you have a story to tell about Jesus, and it would be inauthentic for me not to tell you my story about Jesus. I I mean, it's it's the lens through which I understand the world, and so if I'm going to make sense of the world, I have to I have to look through Jesus Christ, and so my story has a lot of Jesus in it. And we have gathered as a community around this person, Jesus Christ. And the story that He has given us. And that same person lives and breathes in you and me and in the life of this community. Amen? And I want to say we gather around that unapologetically. And we are solidly followers of Jesus Christ. But there is nothing that necessitates our exclusion of everyone else. Or even there's nothing that necessitates a lack of appreciation of someone else's faith life, faith journey, or someone else's story. We can have this fervent love and claim on Christ and not have to exclude other people or other faiths or the possibilities that that there are other truths for other people out there. We can still sing with fervor the name of Jesus, the name above all names, and, and passionately hold that to our hearts and still call our Jewish brothers and sisters brother and sister. Amen. It's, and I understand the difficulty of that. And I guess I, wanna, I, I understand the tension of that. And sometimes... We're like those early gospel writers. We wanna we want everyone to to love God through the same lens we love God. But you know, let me let me relieve some of that burden from you and say to you, you know, let it go and and embrace your life in Christ and let the Holy Spirit work through that and point people to life, you know what? i've appreciated people of other faiths uh... reflecting on christianity and the holy spirit has worked through that and i know that my faith has worked uh, the holy spirit has worked through me even in a jewish context even in an islam context pointing people to god one of the one of the greatest blessings i ever got was rabbi singer came to the church in seattle and said we need Christians to be Christians and to live up to all that Jesus calls you to. Because I was asking, him, hey, you know, aren't Christians awful to you? Don't they don't they do I mean, don't you get sick of Christians? He's like, No, I love Christians. And Christians need to be Christians. What a gift. What a gift to you and me from Rabbi Singer. And that, that sticks with me. And I wanna I wanna affirm the gift other faiths bring to our faith as well. So Jesus, the only way. I I should have put in your in your bulletin a question mark. And I guess what I'd say, I don't see the need for that. But I I, what, I want to end with this question, this interaction. If if we embrace this idea that Jesus, there's n- there's not an exclusive claim on God from Christ, how does that change Christianity? That's a deep question. Go ahead, and say that, Denny. It doesn't change it. Denny says it doesn't change it. All right. Any other reflections on how does that change? You know, whenever I get hit with something controversial, this is what I do. I go, how does that change my faith? How does that change the way I live out my faith? I mean, this is a practical question, right? What are the real effects of this? A lot more peace on earth if we all felt that way. All right, a little more peace. If, if we could embrace that. So there's positive things to come out of that. Any others? Yes? Faith becomes something you want. That's right, yeah. Faith, faith becomes something that we are drawn to, not, not a stick that's held over your head. Like, if you don't have this faith, you're, you're doomed. Right, Lonnie? There, there's an enormous difference between faith and religion. Amen to that. And that, and that. If we have the faith, we're all the brothers. Amen. If we have the re- religion, tends to divide that faith. Okay. Yeah. Religion can be very divisive. Other reflections. Hey okay, Gordon. Love your neighbor doesn't tell you which neighbors to love. It's inclusive, not exclusive. Yeah. Amen to that. We we see that in the Good Samaritan story. Gives the freedom um, that Baptists claim uh, to. Uh, the Christianity that we know, we are. Amen. Gives us. It does. It frees us up, really. Not to, you know, when you're on a plane, don't worry about the guy's soul next to you, right? What a freeing thing, right? <laughs> other other reflections. I know this is a big one, so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna mull that over for a few days. I think. I hope. Anyway. Well, again, uh, my last comment is just. I affirm in you your faith in Christ. Embrace it. Love it. Live into it. We are called to be followers of Jesus Christ. Don't don't let what I'm saying diminish your love of who Jesus is, nor your embrace and proclamation of it. We have a story to tell. And it, it is a story that leads to life and light and wholeness and health and abundance. And we're called to tell that story. But again, I think uh, we're richer because of our plurality in the world we live in. And our God is bigger because of that as well. And um, let us pray. Loving God, through whom, whom we know through the life of jesus christ we thank you we thank you for all that jesus said and all that jesus lived and all that jesus is doing in our midst today and we claim that lord help us to live that out in a way that is inclusive in a way that is inviting and in a way that affirms our common humanity and our common love for one another in the name of jesus we pray Amen.